All right, welcome to a Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation podcast episode. Normally, we bring on guests for this podcast outside of the LGHL universe. However, our own Caleb Hauser, who does live in that state up north, got to go to East Lansing this weekend to watch the Buckeyes in person at Spartan Stadium. So we wanted to have him jump on and give his thoughts both as an Ohio State fan, as a land-grant contributor, and also as a highly decorated high school football coach. So, Caleb, let's start with the pregame stuff. I know we just kind of went on a little bit of a rant before we started recording about injuries. Um, obviously, Mayan Williams wasn't there, but did you see anything from guys who maybe didn't play? I know some of the guys who were injured still went through warm-ups. Did you see anything from, like, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba probably warmed up too, I think from what I remember. But did you see anything during warm-ups that kind of tipped you off to how things were going? Yeah, I mean, I, it's actually kind of funny. My wife and I get there with my with my family and we get to the stadium. And East Lansing is, is you know, it, it's a nice Big Ten environment. So getting to the stadium is not very difficult. But we get there and my wife has a little bit of a slash backpack over the shoulder bag and get all the way there. And their rules are different than Ohio Stadium. So uh, we get there and they're like, oh, you can't bring that in. And it's got everything under the sun that my wife ever needed. So we had to run all the way back to the car. So I did miss some of the warmups. But um, for me, when, I, when I'm looking at the warmups, I was kind of thinking right away, like, man, you know, there's these reports about Mayan Williams not, you know, suiting up. And you're like, what in the world is going on with that? Because that was a Saturday morning, you know, kind of a knowledge thing that I was just yeah. seeing on on Twitter. Um, so, you know, looking for him. And then it was, you know, found out pretty quickly, like you said, that he didn't even make the trip. So for me, I was kind of searching for um, just just guys like in the secondary, you know, like did Jordan Hancock make the trip? Didn't see that, um, those types of things. So it seems like, you know, the guys that are kind of the ones that have been proponents to being out of the games again, you know, didn't dress, didn't go through warmups. I did not see JSN go through warmups, but he very well could have. I know um, yeah, earlier not, in the season, sure. yeah. earlier in the season, uh, he was kind of one of those guys that like, did like there's like there's kind of like two warm-ups, if you will. Like there's like the real, real pregame warm-ups where you're out there like kind of in shirt, you know, shirt and t-shorts type of deal. Um, and you're running routes. And then there's like the warm-up, you know, basically 45 minutes before the game where they're actually padded up and they're going through things. So I that's the one I saw and didn't see him in that. But I mean, maybe he did. No, um, I'm look I'm looking now. I double checked. Uh Jackson and Mayan did not make the trip. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, although makes sense. although Cameron Babb and Tyler Friday did. Right. Um, so that's interesting. And obviously, um, uh, Jordan Hancock did not make the trip and neither did Taraja Mitchell. So interesting. I, I don't know what to make any of those things, but all right. So that's the pregame injury stuff. Um, what did you see? I mean, you are somebody who schemes up offensive things and, and coaches, especially wide receivers for a living. W- what did you see from this team in person that maybe you haven't been able to notice from the different camera angles we get on TV every week. Yeah, I mean, first off, it, it, it's kind of one of those things where it, it's almost boring how good they are. Um, and, and I know that probably doesn't make total sense to everyone, but like you just kind of watch what they're able to do. And it just seems so like effortless, uh, you know, if you will. Like the, 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 I think of the third and eight throw from CJ to Marvin Harrison Jr. on the sideline, the, the home sideline for Michigan State, if you will. And he drops that pass in there and like, 
that was a third and eight. If you don't get it, you got to punt it back. Michigan State, you know, was only down at this point one score because of the pick six, um, which was just a communication error between, um, you know, Emeka Buka and CJ Stroud, which I'm sure people already know about after watching uh, Ryan Day's presser and, and hearing those guys talk. But I kind of just watched the game and a lot of the things like that throw just seem effortless. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, this is common sense, but I mean, that kid is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, just the things he's able to do, the, the absolute control he has over his body is is something fun to watch. And, and really, realistically, the catches look even better on TV than, in, than they do in person, because in person, it's kind of just so quick um, that you, you see it. Like and I'm, I'm in the corner of the end zone, on the opposite corner of uh, Michigan State uh, student section for obvious reasons. Um, but we're kind of over on the other side of the field where, you know, Ohio State definitely scored a lot of their touchdowns that day. But the, the, the last and the third and final touchdown Marvin had was, you know, kind of on the opposite side of the field. And you, we see it and it's like, oh, my gosh. And then you pull up the replay, you know, after the game and you're like, that's even better than I thought it was. Uh, so for me, when I watched the game, it was one of those things where offensively just – in my opinion, the team speed was just completely like they just overmatched Michigan State from the very get go. And I, and I realized Michigan State, you know, had lost a couple of games already in a row, um, you know, and not to, you know, great opponents either. So they're they're kind of reeling right now. And I know people in East Lansing aren't super thrilled with what's going on. And why would you be? But I think from my vantage point, just just the amount of athletes that Ohio State has that are just, you know, again, not to not to be rude, but like just playing out better than the guy across from them. It's just, it's incredible. And I think that's going to be kind of the, the narrative, you know, coming up in the next several games, at least until they get to Penn state um, that, you know, Ohio state should be able to roll. But again, for me watching the game, I was kind of excited to see Ryan day, you know, kind of getting his bag a little bit. Um, Xavier Johnson comes on and takes kind of, you know, these orbit motions and starts, you know, running the ball a little bit on these jet sweep type of deals. And I think people have already kind of said this. I know, um, you know, rivals.com with like Austin Ward kind of hit on this too. And it, it does make sense. Like those might be the plays that, you know, were schemed up for JSN and, you know, being that he hasn't really mm-hmm. hasn't been a threat at all, you know, being injured right now, maybe those are the kind of plays that he was supposed to be in on. And now they're, you know, trying to open up the offense a little bit that way. It's not so much, you know, you know just kind of a run and shoot offense. And then obviously a power run with some, with some zone scheme stuff. But for me, I'm just, I'm watching the offense and you it genuinely, it, it just doesn't look like they can be stopped right now. It's kind of one of those things where like, if they get in their own way, you know, they're going to be stopped, but I mean, they're, they're just clicking on all cylinders and it's really exciting to watch. Did you see anything from either a, a schematic standpoint or even maybe more specifically since there was so many passing touchdowns, especially early on um, from a route running perspective that even surprised you having watched them blow out teams all season up to this point? Yeah, for me, I think the big thing when you look at kind of like the touchdown throws, those one-on-one 50-50 balls um, that are, you know, going to Marvin Harrison Jr. on the, you know, in the corner of the end zone, those are kind of just like, hey, my guy's better than your guy type deals where you just kind of throw it out there, let him go make a play on it. But I mean, for me, I'm watching, you know, Mecca Buka's first touchdown where it's that seam shot and that's a coverage beater. I mean, it, it's one of those things where, yes, you know, it might be a blown coverage, but that is strictly a coverage beater with how they're, you know, keeping the outside receiver. I mean, Mecca was in the slot on that play. The outside receiver is you know taught to run like a hitch it's almost like a hold your guy in this kind of a in this kind of a window type deal like run the hitch keep your corner there that way if the safety you know if you can beat the safety over the top it's a seam shot and again you know mecca using his speed gets behind the safety they throw it right over the top so those are the kind of scheme things that i see it's for me personally it's not like 
anything crazy, you know, like a couple of years ago when Ryan Day was kind of first in Columbus where, you know, they're playing Michigan and you're seeing, you know, Chris Olave and Paris Campbell on these mesh routes and they're, they're basically, you know, man beaters. For me, it's not like as in depth of that right now. It's more of one of those things like we're going to run this route here to hold this corner, to hold this safety, to get eyes down and then slip a guy behind. So um, Ryan Day is really, really good at using high to low concepts. So again, it's one of those things where, you know, if safeties play back, they'll take the low hanging fruit. If safeties and linebackers come up, then they're over, then they're able to go over the top, if you will. So those are the kind of schematic things that I see from Ohio state. Um, but again, some of those touchdown passes like Marvin Harrison jr. Um, and, and even some other ones too, they're just, they're simple. Hey, my guy's better than yours. Throw it up there, make a play. Um, and then other areas too, like I said, with, you know, Mecca Ibuka, um, th- those kind of throws were more of like a coverage beater type thing where, you know, you're kind of scheming things up. And I think this this question, again, doesn't want to put down necessarily the teams that Ohio State has won, but I think it's important to know going into the second half of the season, and, you know, they'll come back after this upcoming off week against Iowa, who is horrible offensively, but they've got a legitimately good defense. Do you think that some of these things where we are seeing not simple routes by um, or schemes, but they aren't necessarily the most complex things we've ever seen from Ryan Day, obviously they're still going to have probably an athletic advantage against any defense that they play, but the disparity between the offensive and defense will change when they're playing teams like Michigan, Iowa, Penn state. Do you think that this is something that's going to continue to evolve? Do you think that we will start to see some things pulled out of Ryan day's bag as they go up against defenses that might present more of a challenge and might have a little bit more of an athletic ability to keep up with some of the playmakers? Yeah, I really do think that is the case and not to like get, you know, too involved with schematics, if you will. But like for me, when I kind of think of Ohio State's offense, it's more of like a, you know, pick your poison, who you're going to defend. And I think what really works for them so well is, is sometimes they don't have to reinvent the wheel with schematics and stuff and, you know, scheme for hours on end on just trying to get certain guys open. It's one of those things where like because they have so many talented weapons you know, regardless of who the ball is going to, the defense has to keep everybody honest. Like Ohio State's offense is so talented with, you know, the guys on the skills, you know, on the perimeter. And then obviously the running backs are really good right now. And Kate Stover being kind of like the unsung hero, you know, before the season. And now it's like one of those guys that's just like, man, this is a legit tight end, like one of the better tight ends Ohio State's had in several years, you know, and he's a converted defensive player. So again, I think being with, you've got, when you're watching these skill guys on the outside and even Kate Stover, like I just said, when you see all of those guys and everything that they can bring to the table, it just keeps defenses kind of like, man, you know, how are we going to stop everyone? It's one of those things where it's kind of like bend, but don't break. Like they're going to be able to like move the ball on everyone just because they have so many weapons because the defense can't genuinely take everyone away. So for me, I think, you know, the schematic stuff, when you get into the better teams, um, especially when, you know, Ohio State's going to have more games on film getting into their, you know, later part of the seasons, they're going to have to scheme some stuff up just so they can continue to be, you know, as fluid as they want. But I think of the one saving grace they have, um, you know, in my vantage point where they don't really have to scheme like crazy, maybe like other teams would, uh, you know, to be able to have some success is just because, again, they've got so many skill guys, you know, on the perimeter and the backfield that kind of just make the defenses like, you know, a, you know, a nervous wreck, basically, because who are you going to stop? Yeah. Let's flip to the other side of the ball here. And really, in my opinion, the only area of legitimate concern for Ohio State right now is the cornerbacks. And that obviously is a bit of a problem, especially looking to the postseason. I'm not sure that it's really going to be a huge issue 
in the Big Ten, ex- except against maybe a team like Maryland, who has probably the second best core of receivers, or against the rival uh, in the game at the end of the season. What are you seeing there? Because from my layman's perspective, it seems like whether it's Denzel Burke or Cam Brown or any of the younger guys who have gotten in, it seems like they're in position. But really, the issue seems to be coming where they either aren't trusting their technique to play the ball at the end or they're kind of getting out athleted and ended up getting called for penalties. So as somebody who spends a lot of time watching cornerbacks covering wide receivers, what are you seeing from them? And did you pick up anything maybe in how they were playing in the secondary being in person on Saturday? Yeah, I think I think you kind of hit it on the head right there. Like they are in position. So I mean, if it's irritating fans, I mean, I can only imagine how Tim Walton's feeling right now and especially how the players are feeling right now. I mean, they've got to be you know absolutely just frustrated beyond Beyond measure, but I think for me the thing that I kind of noticed right away, and we we saw this a couple years back when Kerry Coombs um, and Chris Ash were kind of teaching that, you know, just straight man press defense. You know, sometimes it was a really really tough job of getting your head around and finding the ball. Um, and I'm kind of noticing that right now, like Cam Brown, Denzel Burke, um, even even Jalen Johnson. You know, a couple times this weekend, like. they're in the position, but it's like, guys, get your head around, find the ball. So you're able to make the play on the ball. Um, The other thing too, is like, if your head's not around on the ball, you're going to be more prevalent to being called for, you know, the, the, the type of face guarding uh, defensive pass interference that we did see Cam Brown have, you know, on Saturday. So for me, again, it's like, they've got to do a better job of, locating the ball once it's in the air. And I mean, it's, it's way easier said than done. So, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit these guys at all, um, you know, by any means, but like one thing that, you know, our defensive backs coach teach our guys, you know, on my team is when they're guarding our receivers or guarding receivers on the other team is just like, you know, read their eyes, play through the ball. So once the ball is caught, read the eyes so you can see that catch. If your back is turned, read their eyes, watch them. So when they're going through the catch, now you're taking whatever arm you have free and you're trying to punch out or rip the ball out. You know, once the catch has been tried to maintain, now you're trying to rip it out, you know, late. So again, for me, I have, I'm not seeing that. And I think it's clearly because, you know, they're just, they're kind of lost in space right now. I mean, they're doing a pretty good job of staying on top of the route in terms of being in coverage. I don't see a lot of like, you're just flat out beat off the line or you're not being over top of the, over top of the receiver in coverage. But for me, it's a lot of it has just been like, guys, you've got to start locating the ball better. Yeah. Last question on this, and and then we'll wrap up here. But I wrote something on Saturday that basically said, I again, me, not a football expert. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I'm just throwing it out there that maybe over these next two weeks, since Ohio State is off this coming weekend, maybe it's time to get some of the safeties, since they have an abundance of safeties, a little bit more time at cornerback. We already know that guys like Tanner McAllister and Cam Martinez did kind of cross-train early in the season. It might have even been in camp. Um, they, they got some time uh, at cornerback because there were so many uh, injuries at the cornerback position. Do you think that that's something that's actually possible to do? I mean, a lot of these guys probably played some corner in high school, but is a two-week period enough time to get guys enough experience playing that position, making the switch from a different um, from a different secondary spot, and then to be able to throw them into a Big Ten game? I mean, they're playing Iowa, so Iowa, I don't even know if they have any wide receivers on their roster, but like, is it enough time? Like, is that something that's feasible or is that just something that stupid fans who don't actually know what they're talking about throw out there because they want some sort of answer? I mean, I don't think it's certainly like one of those things where it's like, you know, that's a bad question or, or anything like that. Uh, from my vantage point, it, it, in my, this again, this is my opinion. So without rambling too much, I think it's too hard, um, in my yeah. opinion, just because of the way, 
just because of the way the positions work. I mean, yes, a lot of safeties probably, you know, could play corner in the grand scheme of things, but like how much better is that product going to look than the guy that's been doing it, you know, all season long, you know, all summer long, all spring long, um, you know, in camp and those kinds of things. So it's, for me, it's one of those things where it's like the guys that are in there right now, they just need to get better. They need to work on their craft in terms of like, where are the areas that they're struggling? And, you know, regardless of what that is, if they can hone in on that and get it corrected, you know, that's huge. The other thing too, is like a lot of these guys, and this isn't, you know, to, you know, have a built-in excuse for those guys, but like Cam Brown isn't super healthy, you know, all mm-hmm. the time that Denzel Burke had the hand issue right now um, that, you know, is clearly giving him some fits. And then obviously Jordan Hancock hasn't even taken a snap yet this year. So, you know, if those guys can get healthier over the next two weeks, you know, being that, you know, I was not going to pose a bunch of problems in two weeks. And then obviously the buy this coming Saturday, um, you know, those things will help in my opinion. But again, I, I just think when you look at safeties, it's one of those things where it's almost like, you know, this late into the year, it's almost, for me, it's just, it's not worth experiencing unless the numbers, you know, at the cornerback spot were so bad that you almost, you're forced to. Um, but again, I think coverage wise, like even though those jobs cover two, cover three, man, those jobs are very similar in what they're asked to do. Just the actual vantage point and the schematics of those two positions are so different, um, you know, just in terms of what your responsibilities are. Yeah. All right. So I guess we're going to ride with these six scholarship quarterback <laughs> cornerbacks that they have. Hopefully Jordan Hancock can get back into that rotation and sure some of these so. other guys can get healthy. All right, Caleb, we appreciate you uh, jumping on to talk about what you saw from Spartan Stadium this Saturday. If you're finding this episode on LandGrantHolyLand.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are knocking out nearly two episodes every single day throughout the college football season, and you will not hear the different voices and perspectives and insights anywhere else in the Buckeye podcasting universe that you will hear from Land Grant Holy Land. Don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at BWW. Matt, Caleb, where can people find you? First and last name, Caleb Hauser 9 on Twitter. All right, everybody, have a wonderful week. We will talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks.